I'm, uh, I'm aware that time is, is marching on, so uh, this isn't a, a full-blooded sermon, uh, as it were. But I, uh, I am a preacher at heart, so when, when God calls me to stand up in front of His people, I feel a, a burden of responsibility to share something of His heart, as far as I can see it, uh, with His people. And so um, I, I'm taking my, my BMS hat off, in a sense, and, uh, and what you're seeing is, is what God has called me uh, to be. Uh, I wonder if you would turn uh, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, 12. And uh, I, I really just want to, uh, to pose some questions and, uh, and finish with a story and then a, a few moments of reflection on a, a video clip that BMS produced um, a, a little while back. So, 1 Corinthians 12, and, and it's from verse 12 onwards, and it, it's that, uh, that well-known passage where, where uh, Paul is writing to a church that at times has gotten itself in a bit of a mess, and they, they just need some wise pastoral advice from Paul as to, to how things ought to be. And, and in this particular passage, uh, the analogy that Paul draws on is that the church is like a body, and it is under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we're going to start reading in verse 12, and then uh, we'll we read down to uh, verse 20, and then we'll read just a, a couple of other verses after that. So, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body and so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And down to the verse 25. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I will stop reading there. And, and so, that passage leaves us with a, a very obvious question, does it not? If Paul is right, and we as a church are a body, which part are you? 
there is a saying that 20% of the people in an average church do 80% of the work. I have no idea whether that's true here in Airdrie Baptist or not. I hope not. There are many parts, some that are seen and active. There are some that are quiet behind the scenes. There are some that take on uh, a significant responsibility, and there are others that don't. But either way, we all have a part to play. But what if, what if Paul's question here has a bigger picture? What if he's saying, in the body of Christ, around the world, which part is Airdrie Baptist Church? And that becomes a slightly different question. Both, I think, are equally valid. You need to know that you have a place to serve here. Even at the basic entry-level point in mission, we talked about that this morning. Remember with the, with the lineup we had in front of us? The basic entry-level point is giving and praying and communicating, whether that's hearing or speaking or both. And all of us are at least called to play those parts. And so, when Paul asks the question, we might automatically think about this local body of Christ. And that's, that's a fair train of thought. That's a fair response uh, to the question that makes us think from this passage that we've just read. But what if Paul is also asking us to think, on the other hand, where does Airdrie Baptist take its part in the body of Christ around the world? When, uh, when I was at Bible College uh, many years ago, I trained at London Bible College. I also got finished off at uh, the, the Baptist Finishing School that used to be in Eton Road, uh, so I'm, I'm fully qualified to be in Scottish churches or whatever that means. But when I was at college, I used to play for the, the college football team. Please take the look of surprise off your face. I know things have changed in the intervening years. My hair is grayer, and my athletic physique has gone somewhat elsewhere. But I, I used to play in our, our college football team. And uh, under the direction of the team captain, um, we did our best. I played at right back, and if we were really stuck, I played at left back. And uh, along with my uh, teammates, uh, we did our best. And we, we won a fair number of games that we played, and uh, we, we lost a few as well. Uh, we didn't spend as much time talking about those ones. And, and it's kind of like that in the body of Christ. The Lord Jesus is the team captain, and we play alongside Him. And He directs us in the role that He has given us to give of our best. And as we learned this morning, there are moments when God intervenes miraculously, and there are other moments where, at least humanly speaking, it seems to go horribly wrong. 
But what is required is that we play our part as God has called us to. Under the direction of the team captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, we play our part using the gifts, the skills, and the experience that He has given to us. Broadly speaking, in mission terms, there are two teams. There's the home team involved in giving and praying and so on, and there's the away team. Well, that's more obvious. That's about getting up and going over there, wherever there might be. And, and we need people in, in each of those teams. In the, in the home team, we need people who will pray. I have been, uh, particularly in my ministry in, uh, in Taunton and Somerset, I was very blessed, very fortunate to have uh, a team of guys who prayed with me and I with them on a, a regular basis. We used to do this early on a Friday morning. Early on a Friday morning? Really? Did we have to? Could it not have been a more reasonable tea time on a Friday? Anyway, it was early on a Friday morning, and often the alarm would get, go off at half six in the morning, and I'd think, what am I doing? And then I'd get up, and I'd be along at the church for about seven o'clock, uh, and the other guys would gather with similar bleary-eyed look on their faces, and then we'd exchange some news, and we'd pray for one another, and I knew why we did it. Because in that small group, we could really get to know one another and pray for one another in a way that we couldn't do in a church prayer meeting and a way that we couldn't do on our own. And so let me give you a challenge as you look forward to the next 173 years. Form small prayer groups. Yes, you need to pray on your own. Yes, there are times when you need to come together as a church family and pray together. What I'm talking about are the, the prayer triplets or the small prayer groups of informal relationships that you have. You don't have to do it every Friday early, but find a regular slot that works for you and use it to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for Ross. Pray for the ministry of this church in this place. Pray for the ministry of this church as it extends through BMS, through your partnership in India, to the ends of the earth. And support one another. I, there, were, there were guys who prayed for me through difficult years of ministry. And I, I praise God for them. They still meet to pray, even though Alice and I no longer live in Taunton. But they still pray for us. That means a great deal. It really does. So can I encourage you? Can I, can I encourage you as a leader and, and your deacons to think about this and find ways to make it work? Encourage your folk in natural groups and friendship groups. Uh, on, a, on a kind of regular or semi-regular basis, to get together in groups of three, four, or five, whatever works, and begin praying at a deep level to make things change. And yeah, let mission be one of the agenda items 
in your prayer groups. Also part of the home team, there's giving. And, and we were realistic about this this morning, weren't we? And in fact, there, there is no clearer moment of how much we totally depend on God for everything that we are and everything that we have than when we are called to give some of it away. And many of you will have been taught about the tithe, the 10% guideline figure for Christian giving. I was challenged not that long ago. The challenge was, what about the other 90%? Isn't that God's too? I, I kind of, it stopped me in my tracks for a moment. And, and the 10% is the kind of ongoing giving that God is, is seeking from us. Some household bu budgets can't go that far. But God knows that. God knows that. There are other household budgets that can go significantly further than the 10%. And God knows that too. And what He's looking for are people made in His image who will be as generous as they possibly can be and then when a crisis moment comes along, like the Nepal earthquakes, and a, an agency like BMS comes to the churches and says, will you help us? The giving then is over and above what you regularly give. And it's sacrificial, sacrificial to where you deny yourself something in order to give to those who've lost everything. And that's a huge challenge in our part of the body of Christ around the world. And then, of course, there's the awaiting. And that obviously is the moment when, when God says, it's you. And uh, He's looking for people who will follow Him and trust Him, not counting the cost. I would be surprised if in a church the size of this one, there wasn't someone that God is nudging and saying, how's about it? Will you follow me? It might be action teams amongst your young people, uh, for example. It might be um, as a volunteer like Rod teaching English in, in retirement. It might be that you can take two or three years out from your, uh, your daytime job and, and give two or three years to a particular project to bring those skills and experience that you have uh, to play. It might be that God is saying to you, I want you to go and whisper in someone's ear. And there's always a risk in doing that. But you can do it in a gracious way. You can say, I'm just wondering, has anyone else said to you, you have a gift, or this might be something for you? This church stands on a, a, a long tradition of sending men and women into mission and ministry from within these walls, particularly uh, many of our churches have benefited from people who have come to ministry from within the walls of this particular church. I'd love to see that 
sending tradition become a core value of what makes every Baptist church tick. I'd love to see someone come and serve with BMS for a time from among this church family. Let's come to God in prayer and ask Him to raise up men and women who will hear the call to go and, and serve. Just as I close, let me, uh, let me finish with a story. I am, I am car daft. If my wife were here, she would say it's an obsession, but she's not here, so it's a healthy interest in cars. I blame my dad. My dad was a, a motor mechanic through his, uh, through his working life. And I had dreams of owning a, a sports car, as every young lad does, and then God called me into ministry and there are certain dreams that you, you need to let go of. Um, so, rewinding the clock, I'm in my late teens, early 20s. I've left school. I'm working in electronics. Uh, and I know that uh, the next stage is going to, to Bible college. And I, I'm fitting tow bars to cars uh, at the weekends for uh, uh, a few extra pennies uh, to, to save up for Bible college. And this Saturday morning... Um, actually, and I think about it, it was Irene and John Mickeljohn's car. We, we, we talked about them earlier on from Dumfries Baptist Church. Now, I'm lying on, uh, on my back underneath uh, the underside of their uh, Volvo 340, for those of you who remember such a thing. And uh, the tow bar is on, and I'm uh, wrestling the petrol tank back into place to get the last four bolts uh, to hold this thing in place and get the job done. Uh, and so my dad is helping me. Dad, of course, is the mechanic. Uh, he is the professional. So he has a, a six-foot plank of wood. Uh, in the middle are two or three bricks. And one end is his right foot, and the other end is supporting the weight of said petrol tank. And uh, as he is pushing down on, on the end of his stick, I'm trying to wrestle the tank into place, get the bolts in, and, and finish the job. I must have grunted or something, which Dad interpreted as shove harder on his end of the stick. And, uh, and this finger got caught between said petrol tank and uh, Volvo 340. Of course, uh, I yelped, I shot out from under the car, and I, I'm dancing around, but there are tears uh, rolling down my cheeks. This hand is wrapped around this finger, and my, my whole body, is, it seems, is responding to the pain in just this, this, this one small part of it. And that is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ at its very best. The body of Christ bringing comfort and healing in the name of Jesus Christ. That is what world mission is all about. Whether that world is here in Airdrie or somewhere much further away, it is our job as His ambassadors on His behalf as part of his body, under his leading and direction, to, to be the ones who bring as far as God enables us to, to bring healing and comfort and hope. Highest goal of all we do is to bring a broken and hurt.
existing world into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you a, a video. It's just a few minutes. Take some images from Uganda and a, a song track uh, and words from the passage that we read together a few moments ago. Oops, my fingers are nervous. Savior's love for me. 